Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your host, Nathan Wilson. I'm glad that you've decided to join us for another week of Houseplant Talk. We're talking about your indoor gardening for a change because, hey, it's cold outside after all. And we know that the cold temperatures aren't so fun. Uh, The freezing, wet humidity, all this cold stuff we have, it's not too fun to be out in. But if you're a gardener, I know you would love to venture into that just to grow something. But if you decided to stay at home, uh, stay indoors for a few hours a day, well, you can grow houseplants. And of course, we've already talked about um, uh, the, the way to choose house plants, giving you tips on looking for healthy plants and, and how to use them in the house, making great displays. Because, you know, one house plant is nice, but a grouping of house plants is so much nicer. <laughs> and so, just like outdoors, when we're landscaping and we're gardening, putting plants together, you can do the same thing with house plants. So, on this episode today, we're going to be talking about. Uh, different specific not pacific but specific uh, house plants and particularly easy to grow house plants if you're just getting into the house plant world and you don't know where to start well today you've got to listen closely take some notes about some of these plants be sure to write their names down and look for them in your local garden center or plant nursery Now, with all that being said, if you've missed the other two episodes that uh, we had the past couple of weeks, be sure to check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com, where you can find every episode we've ever had, and also you can leave us a message and a question, because I know your gardening questions are going to become more frequent and frequent, especially as we go further and further out of winter and closer to spring. But then, of course, you can keep keep in contact with us at Facebook and Instagram. Uh, And, of course, after the show airs today, it will be uploaded uh, to the cloud, and you can find us on all your favorite podcasting apps. So be sure to check out New Southern Garden online at NewSouthernGarden.com for even more plant goodness. Now, with all that being said, I think that it's time for us to jump right in into some of these houseplants because we've got a great number of plants to go. We're going to try to get through as many as possible. And I want to start talking about an um, interesting little plant. Well, I think it's little. It's, it's not very big, but they are very impactful. Now, this group of plants is called Pilea. There's many different types, some called um, Creeping Charlie, uh, Sharing Plant, which we're going to talk about more specifically later, and Artillery Plant. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. But uh, even one called Aluminum Plant, you may remember from, it hasn't been around in a while, but you may see it in some garden centers. But the Pilea group is a very easy to grow. They tend to be more bushy when you're talking about their shape. Because remember, shape is an important thing we talked about last week when it comes to houseplants. Uh, We did describe pretty much every shape of plant you could find that's suitable as an indoor plant. And the bushy plants 
they serve a purpose and serve a role. And actually, some of the pileas are sort of trailing as well. But again, very easy to grow even for the beginner. Now, I mentioned the aluminum plant, which is a pilea, and it's probably one of the easiest of all. And, and one of the more popular ones uh, has been for probably decades now, actually. It has these little white splash leaves on them. But the idea, here's basically a list of rules if you want to grow uh, pilea. It's kind of a small one, though. Move the pots off the windowsills if it's going to be a frosty night. If you've got them in your kitchen window, and actually I have one in my office that's near a, a window, uh, but I like to move it away to keep it from getting too cold. Uh, but also, all you have to do is pinch out the tips, pinch out the growing tips every now and then, keep them nice and bushy, and be sure to keep their pots away from any uh, drafts you may have in the house. But other than that, the the temperature they like is just average warmth. So, you know, being in, indoors, what's comfortable for you in the seasons, whether it's uh, summer or winter, is a good idea. But definitely in the winter, you want to make sure that pilea does not get uh, colder or cooler than 50 degrees. That'll keep it growing and definitely keep it alive. But with houseplants, one thing we have to talk about is their light requirements. How much light does pilea need? Well, it does prefer either uh, bright light or medium light, so definitely not a shady bathroom. You would want it near a window, maybe a sunny kitchen window or a sunny window in the living room because they are nice, just small little plants that will look great in the uh, living spaces. But you do want to keep it out of direct sun in the summer. Now that comes into play whenever you consider if you're going to be taking your uh, houseplants outdoors for the summer, which is completely appropriate because we have nice warm days and nice uh, warm nights in the spring and summer. You just got to make sure that your pilea or sharing plant uh, does not uh, get direct sunlight. Now water, of course. Water is going to be key for pilea. It does like to be liber, liberally watered, so plenty of water, definitely in spring all the way through autumn, but you can allow that compost, the growing media, to dry out just slightly in between waterings. That seems to be beneficial. Now, in winter, they don't need much water, so that's why this is one of the easiest plants to grow. Uh, they can just be sparingly watered, if you will, and you don't have to use cold or hot water. Never use hot water, but just use tepid water, something that's maybe been sitting on the counter. You don't want to shock its roots with a nice a cold drink. Even though we all like to uh, drink drinks that are cold, uh, they don't necessarily like to have very cold water. Now, about humidity, you know, we talked about humidity, I believe, in the first uh, uh first program for house plants a couple of weeks ago and we said we most likely these plants need a little more humidity some more than others some less than others but this would be kind of average humidity you can uh, miss the leaves of pilea and sharing plant aluminum plant artillery plant all of these plants you can miss their leaves regularly so if you have a pilea already, just go get a misting bottle, keep it handy, and every now and then, maybe once in the morning, just sprinkle a little water on their leaves. Now another thing that I want to talk about when we discuss all these individual plants today is also repotting. Because I think with house plants, we tend to forget that <laughs> they do need to either be repotted from time to time, and uh, sometimes their roots may need to be pruned if they're going to be placed back in the original pot. 
Uh, but with this in mind for pilea, you can repot it in spring. So if yours, like mine, has been in its pot for, I'm sorry to say, I have left it in its pot for too long, it needs to be repotted, I will do that um, uh, in the spring, especially if you want to save the plant because years of not being repotted, maybe even a couple of seasons, can put it on a downhill slope. And if you really like your pilea, then I think you want to repot it uh, this year. Now, propagation... I also want to talk about that whenever we discuss these plants because, you know, you don't necessarily have to go buy your plants, even though this spring, uh, Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week in Flowery Branch, we will have a good selection of different kinds of house plants. I'm not sure if Pilea will be on that list this spring, but if you already have some of these plants, you can propagate. That means make more of them for yourself or for friends. And the great thing about pilea, especially the pilea I have, that's called sharing plant, is that it <laughs> produces very easily from cuttings. You can take stem cuttings in the late spring and into summer. Uh, just take a couple of inches, maybe if you have enough, maybe four inches of growth, and remove the lower leaves and stick it in some uh, fresh, sterile potting mix <laughs> from the uh, nurseries. And pretty soon, you'll have a brand new plant. Now, that's how a uh, sharing plant gets its name. Uh, it is so easy to propagate, you can share it with others. And not only that, but particularly the sharing plant pilea, actually produces little babies that come up off the, the roots of the plant. And so, of course, those are little offshoots that I'm going to just cut away from the mother, put them in their own pot, and we will have plenty of pilea to go around. Plenty of pilea to share. Now, another thing that we need to talk about, I keep adding the list here, but uh, I want to make sure you're well-versed with all these plants, is that uh, sometimes you will have problems in house plants. So instead of having a whole show about houseplant problems, I thought we'd talk about specific problems for these uh, specific plants. Now, some special problems that pilea may have is spider mite, which is, is easy to control. It's not a very difficult problem. You can use uh, horticultural oils. You can use um, uh, insecticidal soaps, um, even some pyrethrins if it comes down to it with a heavy infestation. But all those are organic approved and very safe to use indoors. Of course, I'd always recommend to treat your plant outside or in a garage somewhere, maybe in a shed, and then after the treatment has settled a bit, bring it back inside. But in the fall, of course, um, there is some, could be some leaf fall over fall and into winter. Now, the cause of that is cold air and usually wet compost. Uh, it can encourage the plant to drop its leaves because it's either too cold and possibly too wet. Now, with that being said, healthy plants will shed their leaves. So don't be scared if some of your houseplants, uh, specifically pilea, is dropping its leaves now. But be sure that it's not too wet and that it's not too cold. If you have any uh, affected stems, be sure you to cut those back in the spring and that will induce some new healthy growth, making your plant looking great for the next year. Now, uh, leaf wilt, uh, maybe some discoloration, um, that can be a problem usually from overwatering. Surprise, surprise, right? Overwatering all the time. Remember, overwatering is the number one killer of houseplants. Being too loving, too caring uh, can cause problems. So just be sure that you uh, don't overwater your houseplant, particularly this pilea and sharing plant.
And then lastly, sometimes you may notice that the leaves are discolored. They have brown tips and edges. And usually the cause of that in this plant is there's too much shade. So give it a little more sun. Put it in a brighter spot. Remember, Pilea likes medium to bright light. So putting it in the sunniest window you have is going to bring that plant back and looking really good. Another problem is if you do have a well-lit area for your Pilea, then the, the the other cause could be a sudden drop in temperature. So again, we don't want to keep the plants too wet, uh, too shady, and definitely uh, not too moist. Well, I guess I've already said that, but also the temperature. <laughs> so not too much moisture, not too much shade, and definitely uh, higher temperatures, at least 50 degrees, which if it's in your house, that shouldn't be a problem because I don't like to sleep in a bedroom. That's 50 degrees. It's too cold. Uh, but that's Pilea Sharing Plant, one of my favorites, and I think you'll find it's probably one of the easiest you could start with. Now, the second group of plants that I like to talk about that are super easy to grow, especially if you've never really played around or attempted to uh, work with uh, houseplants, are the cacti. Now, I'm not going to talk about the desert cactus. I'm going to talk about this unusual and strange form of cactus that are known as forest-type cactus. Now, most of you are probably familiar with the Christmas cactus and the Easter cactus. These, even though they're called cactus, they are in a special group of cacti, uh, which actually grow natively on trees uh, in desert area, not desert, but jungle-like areas, uh, tropical areas. So they're not cactus from, uh, from the desert. They are cactus from some kind of forest. And there are some that are from Mexico, so not too far south from us. But the forest cactus you might remember, like the Christmas cactus that you maybe have from your grandmother even. I know that my grandmother had one that went back in generations. But these cactus have uh, leaf-like stems, and they generally have a trailing, a spilling over, spilling over habit. So if you're looking for a hanging basket or a hanging plant indoors, then the Easter cactus, or more commonly the Christmas cactus, they are a great choice. Now with those, their leaves or their stems, I should say, even though they look like leaves, they're very fleshy. Uh, if you were to slice one open, it would be very juicy even. Um, but we find, or maybe you have found, I know that I have from a certain year back, that they were sort of shy bloomers. My Christmas cactus didn't really perform. And if you have a Christmas cactus already that you're growing and you notice this season, it didn't really produce flowers or even buds. Well, there is a protocol. There is a protocol, a certain kind of uh, thing you need to do to it throughout the year that's going to encourage it to bloom and bloom well. And when we get back from this quick break, I'm going to go over that uh, uh, that secret of success, you will, if you will, for getting them to bloom and bloom properly. And we're going to talk about some other details that are specific to this unusual kind of cactus called forest cactus. So hang on tight. We'll be right back with more of your favorite cactus and mine, the Christmas cactus. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing 
growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. <laughs> at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. Well, gang, before we go any further in our discussion about houseplants, I have a confession to make. I, I actually uh, have just recently started growing houseplants. Uh, you know, back when I was a kid, I would try this or try that, and we've had some good success. Uh, there are still, I do have some plants that are still living from many years ago. I've sort of uh, gifted them, though, to my parents and my aunt. Uh, so they're the new caretakers for those. I sort of got out of it a few years ago, but I'm back into it and I'm learning more than I've ever known about uh, houseplants. And so I hope uh, that I can help you understand how houseplants grow and how you can make them successful so that not only does your outdoor landscape look great, but your interior, the interior of your home looks just as spectacular as your uh, garden outside. So of course, before the break, we were talking about about the different groups of, of forest cactus. Now, there are two main groups of cactus. There are the desert types, which usually have spines and thorns, and they're painful. Uh, but these forest types are very soft and fleshy. Uh, they do require a little more moisture, but not necessarily as, as much as other houseplants. But in this forest type group, there are two different kinds. There's the Christmas cactus and Easter cactus, which are actually uh, pretty common, but usually they're treated as the same. Somebody came in and said, my Christmas cactus must be messed up because it blooms near Easter rather than Christmas. And of course, I knew that they probably didn't have a Christmas cactus. It just looks a lot like it. There's one very defining feature, one very unique feature that you can separate the two out pretty quickly and easily. Remember, the Christmas cactus and Easter cactus, they are made of these segments, which are segments of their stem, even though they look a lot like leaves. Now, it is the Christmas cactus, which has these pointed projections on those segments, rather than the Easter cactus. Uh, so, in other words, if you're looking closely at your plant, and you look at one section, and you have a smooth margin on that uh, stem section... That's more likely the Easter cactus. But if you see these protrusions hanging out, these projections, kind of pointed edges, that is going to be your Christmas cactus, and you should expect it to bloom uh, sometime between November and maybe into January. I still have some that are blooming uh, right now, actually. So with that in mind, be sure that you figure out which one you have, because I do want to talk about the details of trying to get these to bloom and to bloom better. So the here's the the season we'll say uh, for your Christmas cactus if you indeed have a Christmas cactus you want to make sure that this time of year usually after they bloom February into March that this is their resting period okay if they put on a really good show for you during Christmas then you need to give them that resting period we talked about uh, 
past two weeks, where you want to keep them cool in a 55 degree uh, area or so. You definitely don't want to put it near your radiator or your air vent uh, because that's going to be a very dry and warm place. But you don't have to water it much. Just water it infrequently. Now, April through May, you want to treat it normally. Water it thoroughly uh, when the compost dries out, but then things change when the outdoor temperatures warm up. Whenever we get into June, July, and August, you can treat your Christmas cactus uh, and your Easter cactus, actually, during that uh, middle of summer there. You can treat it as a, uh, say, patio pot or patio container, patio plant. Put it under a porch, put it outside somewhere in a shady spot, Keep it away from slugs because slugs are just going to love this fleshy growth they have, but definitely put it outdoors so it gets indirect light in a shady spot. Now, that is what we find is a very key to getting these plants to bloom. If you keep your Christmas cactus and your Easter cactus indoors all the time, all year long, they're not going to bloom well. So they do need that indirect light outdoors, but also it's not just the, the, the natural light they need. It's also the hardening of their stems. Remember those fleshy stems we talked about? Well, they will get a little harder, a little more rigid, and that stimulates them to produce flower buds the following Christmas. Now, once uh, August and maybe the halfway through September is over, you can bring it back indoors, keep it kind of dryish and cool still until the flower buds start to, uh, to form. Once those flower buds form, you can increase the water, increase the temperature a bit. So maybe put it back in the kitchen, you know, where you may have a little more ambient heat. And you'll start to see during that flowering period, sometime in November through December and into January, keeping them, uh, watering them normally and maintaining that 55 degrees. And you should see better bloom set and also better flowering. And the same is kind of similar for the Easter cactus. Uh, if you follow that guideline, you'll see that they're very, uh, very similar needs. But what about some of the um, their water needs throughout the year? Remember, we talked about with the Christmas cactus and the Easter cactus, you do want to have them have a resting period, but then increase the watering once that is over and they start to flower and bud. Humidity, you can miss them uh, frequently if you like. Remember, they come from a tropical area. They come from a jungle. They grow high up in the trees where there's plenty of moisture and humidity. So it's okay to miss them. You know, a lot of plants we don't encourage to miss because it can cause damage to the leaves. But with these house plants, it is important to try and increase the uh, humidity if you can. Now, repotting. We talked about repotting with the other plant we talked about, the pilea. And you can repot the Christmas cactus and Easter cactus annually if you want to, but do it shortly after they flower. Uh, once their flowering is done, you definitely don't want to pot them while they're flowering because that may kind of shock them a bit. They may not perform as well as we'd hoped. Now, cuttings uh, or propagation. How do you make more of this Christmas cactus? Folks, this one, like Pilea, is super easy to propagate. There's no problem at all. All you have to do is uh, take cuttings, take a couple of those sections or segments of the stem, maybe three, and place that into a, a, a pot of, again, sterile media, something that's disease-free. And you can do that in summer, and usually in just a few weeks, you have a brand new plant. Now, it may be beneficial that once you've made that cutting, to let it dry out for a few days before putting it into that, uh, that uh, growing media, whatever you choose, the potting, potting mix, uh, 
because that does help to seal the wound off a bit before you put that fresh cutting into the pot. Uh, these plants, of course, have no problem with drying out. They are a cactus after all. We wouldn't recommend this for every plant that you try to propagate, that's for sure. But with the cactus, particularly Christmas and Easter cactus, you can make that cutting, lay it on a, 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 a say, I, I would put it on like a paper plate or something for a couple of days, let it dry out just a bit so that that wound can heal, preventing disease from coming into the plant and damaging your cutting. But again, it's so simple and so easy that you can do it. So to summarize, the forest the forest cactus type plants are very simple and easy. You can propagate them. You can pass them along. They do last year after year. They make great demonstrations in a hanging basket. If you want to uh, uh, hang something from your ceiling in your house, this would be one of the ideal candidates. But there is an old saying in house plant uh, gardening that, that says, if all else fails, grow Sansevieria. And uh, Sansevieria is so easy that even a caveman could do it. Well, maybe actually not because plants don't grow in caves. They do need a little bit of light, even the ones that don't mind the shade. But of course, Sansevieria has been around a long time. Now you may think, well, what does that name even mean? Well, some people call it the snake skin or, or not, well, snake plant <laughs> or mother-in-law's tongue. Mother-in-law's tongue. That's right. But anyhow, Sansevieria is an easy-to-grow plant. It does have a reputation for near indestructibility. It's going to grow um, actually in bright sunshine or shade. It can withstand dry air. It can uh, withstand uh, drafts. And you should be um, well to note, though, that it might be easily killed to prolong overwatering. And so being sure that you do keep it on the moister side, might not be, I mean, the drier side, not too moist and not too dry. And actually, it can uh, be killed pretty easily to prolong exposure to near freezing temperatures. So there are some things to think about when growing mother-in-law's tongue. But of course, we do want to think a bit about the form. So we got to take a quick break, of course, but the form of this plant is very upright. The leaves are strap-like. They go straight into the air from the root. There's no real stem to worry about. It's just this beautiful grouping of thick, leathery leaves. So when we get back from this break, we're going to talk more about mother-in-law's tongue, which you may already have, and I'm going to give you the secrets to success to make sure your mother-in-law's tongue looks beautiful. Hang on tight. We'll be right back. Greenness unfolded for the world to behold. Stories Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, we were just talking about Sansevieria and mother-in-law's tongue. Of course, that's a great house plant, and that's today's... 
uh, topic of conversation. We're talking all about houseplants and technically more specific types of houseplants that are super easy to grow, super easy to start with. If you have any reservation about growing houseplants because you think they're too difficult, well, then you are listening at the right time in history right now, this point. You're listening to New Southern Garden because today it's all about easy houseplants, pretty much indestructible. Now, if you've missed any part of today's program or the series that we talked about last week and the week before, uh, then you've got to be sure to check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com, where you can find every episode of this program we've ever had. You can uh, find us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as your podcasting apps. Because, of course, you can join me live here every Saturday at 10 a.m., which is our new time slot, by the way, right here on WRWH 93.9 FM which, of course, is your hometown radio. But if you slept in and you missed the show, we wanted to make sure that you get to listen. So you can check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com and all of those other great social media places. (laughs) Now, let's get back to talking about houseplants. Mother-in-law's tongue. Snake plant, I've heard it called. It looks kind of snaky which maybe is how it got its name for mother-in-law's tongue. I don't know. I've got a great mother-in-law. Her tongue looks nothing like this. <laughs> but, of course, there are many different colors, usually dark greens. They're variegated uh, with whites and dark greens. There are golden-edged forms. There are very low-growing areas. Uh, and taller growing sense of areas. They come in all shapes and sizes. So ideally, if this is the only plant you grew, well, you're in luck because there's so many different species and so many different kinds. Now, we talked about its indestructibility before we, were, uh, go, before we went to the break. We talked about how you can pretty much forget about it, throw it some water every now and then, and it's good to go. But let me tell you, folks, as far as watering goes, here's a secret to success for growing Sansevieria, mother-in-law's tongue. You don't want to overwater them. Water them moderately from spring to uh, fall, letting the compost dry out slightly between waterings, and then in winter, water every one to two months. Winter is going to be the easiest time for you to deal with Sansevieria. It needs very little water. It can dry out with almost no water, and it will still survive. The reality is, is you don't want to wet the heart, the center of the plant. Because we're going to talk about special problems Sansevieria has, and overwatering is one of those. Rotting is one of those problems. So be sure when you're watering, water moderately through the growing season, but over winter, let it dry out. Now, the humidity in the air doesn't really matter. There's no misting required, no reason to try to increase humidity for this one. It doesn't matter. So very easy. Now, the light. What kind of light can this handle? Well, you're in luck because Sansevieria being so easy to grow, it can handle bright light with uh, some sun. Even if you had a window where a lot of sun comes in, you can do that. But it will also grow in the shade. So it doesn't have to be in the sunniest site of your house. It can grow in the shadiest, darkest side of your house as well. Now, as far as temperature is concerned, it's basically like the other plants we've talked about. They need average warmth, particularly around 50 degrees in winter. What that means is that you don't have to keep your house at 50 degrees. You definitely can't let it get below 50 degrees. You don't want the sense of area to get too cold. We're going to talk about that in a second. Some major problems. 
But again, just average temperature in the house is fine. If you can put it on a cooler, maybe a screen, a sun porch or something that's glassed, but definitely uh, doesn't get freezing down below 50, that would be fine. Uh, but keeping it in the house, maybe by the door, would be okay as well. Now, what about repotting? You seldom have to repot uh, these particular plants, but if you have growth that has cracked your pot, if it's not in a, say it's um, in a terracotta or some kind of clay-based pot, if it cracks, you got to repot it. If you have a pot that's made of plastic and it starts to mold and reshape the sides of that because the roots are getting so tight, it would be time. Now, with that in mind, repotting your area or mother-in-law's tongue could be a great opportunity to propagate. Because Sansevieria does send off these side shoots or offsets. All you have to do is remove the offset by cutting it off at the base. Allow that to dry just a little bit, uh, maybe 24 hours time. Let it dry before you insert it into compost. And guess what? You've got a new plant. Now, alternatively, if you don't have offsuits, but you've got a big plant, you can divide it up. You can easily just chop it in half and you've got a new plant. Lastly, how about cuttings? You can actually, Sansevieria is a really cool plant because you can take just cuttings off of the leaf and you can place them in your potting mix and soon enough that leaf will generate new roots. So Sansevieria is a wide variety of plants. It's got great colors, great foliage, great uh, shape and upright form uh, with kind of a spiky tip at the top, so be careful with that. But easy to propagate, and easy to share with your friends. Those are the secrets of success, we'll call it, for Sansevieria. But what about the problems? What if success just doesn't happen right away, you get an issue? Well, if you see rotting at the base, maybe the leaves are yellow, they're dying back, this would be unusual for a uh, well-treated Sansevieria. But for a Sansevieria that has been overwatered, particularly in the winter, remember, winter, you don't really have to water it at all, maybe once uh, a month or every other month. But overwatering in the winter can be a problem. If you see that the base of the plant is rotting, the leaves are coming off from the base, that usually is a cold, wet winter for that plant, and that is not good. If the whole plant seems to be affected, pretty much uh, you can pretty much discard the plant. Don't expect it to grow back, but you can make those leaf cuttings. Don't just throw the whole plant away. Take some leaf cuttings, stick them in some media, and allow them to become a new mother-in-law tongue plant. Now, what about rotting at the base in winter, but it's not been overwatered? That can happen too. So say you're seeing the rot, but you know it's been dry, it's not too wet. Well, it could be due to cold damage. Just like overwatering is a problem, too much cold can be a problem. Uh, the Sansevieria can quickly be damaged at 40, uh, 40 degrees or below. So if you forget about it outside early in winter, you may see some of those effects. Remember, 50 degrees over winter is the minimum temperature. When we talk about winter temperatures, it's the minimum that it should handle. So being indoors is important. Then lastly, I have seen Sansevierias that get uh, brown blotches on the leaves. This is actually a non-infectious problem which starts at the tips and it works its way downwards along the leaf. Unfortunately, the cause is unknown and there's no cure. So that's not very encouraging maybe, but just be on the lookout for blotches, uh, brown patches on the leaves. 
know, know that it's probably no point in saving that. If you see a section of the leaf that's uninfected, you might try to propagate it from cuttings. But being non-infectious, that's a good thing. That means that the, uh, the areas that look clean and clear are usually going to be just fine. Now, folks, in summary, Sansevieria, or mother-in-law's tongue, some people call it snake plant, it has bold foliage that provides a great background for ferny plants or uh, plants that have small flowers because this is a big leaf. It grows upright, straight into the air. They come in different shapes and sizes and colors, and I think you're going to like it. You probably know what mother-in-law's tongue is, but if you don't, test it out, Google it, and uh, you'll probably find that as easy as it is, it just is worth, it is worth having it just for its beauty. All right, so have you ever heard of a plant called Epiprimnum? It's a terrible name, isn't it? But it is a nice, easy-to-grow house plant. Now, you may know it by something else, and that's pothos, P-O-T-H-O-S. Now, this is a vining-type plant, and it's the next plant that I want to describe, talk about the secrets of success, um, just relish in it a bit, and, of course, let you know how easy it is to grow and to uh, get going. So let me tell a little story about pothos. Now, pothos has some other names. It does have a, a name called Devil's Ivy in Britain. I don't know why they call it that, but, of course, it's nothing terrible. It's nothing bad. It's a great plant. But here we usually call it golden pothos because of course this is like a heart-shaped leaf that trails or it could climb if you give it some structure and a trellis. Uh, but it does usually have some variegation of green and yellow. Some, some are almost completely yellow. Some are white. Uh, the one I have is kind of a white variegation. It's beautiful. But let me tell you the story I was, I was trying to get to. Uh, even before my wife and I got uh, married, uh, she was working for uh, a garden center box store that I'm not even going to name on this program. Uh, but that particular particular store she worked at, they gave them uh, cheap plants. So plants that look uh, really bad and almost at death's door, they would let them take home for a small amount of cash. Well, she picked up this pothos. She brought it to her bedroom. I remember um, her having it for a long time. And it was kind of kind of bad looking, but she brought it back to life, and that was probably eleven years ago. Now it's been a long time, maybe almost twelve. And guess what, folks? That pothos is still living. And you know what? Both of us forget about it. Both of us forget to water it. Both of us forget to fertilize it. We just leave it in this pot that's actually uh, high up on a shelf, and it's still growing. It's still growing, and it looks better today than it ever has. That sad little shrimp of a plant that was salvaged by my wife, uh, well, at the time, just girlfriend, uh, but future wife, is now growing and growing strong. It is one of the keys of success, I think, of a good marriage is having a, a small little tiny nasty-looking pothos and growing it together, just forgetting all about it. So that's how easy pothos is. Now, it is that kind of vining look, so it's a great plant, just like like Christmas cactus to put into a hanging basket or put it into a pot and let it hang off and spill over that a top shelf of a bookshelf where we have ours can look great. And again, it's easy to grow. So let's talk about some of these um, uh, secrets of success, if you will. First of all, 
they do require that minimum temperature over winter to be around 50 to 55 degrees. And you can keep it at warmer. That's fine. But you can't let it get below 50 degrees. So you can't keep it out on the porch. Probably can't even keep it out um, in an enclosed space. With that in mind, the light requirements. The light requirements should be well lit, but a sunless spot. Okay? Which would mean that you have bright light, but again, no direct sunlight. If you have poor light, that variegation in color will fade. As with most variegated plants, the sunlight stimulates that variegation. So if you like that golden look or white edge look or white blotchy look that some of these have, be sure that you give it uh, plenty of sun, but not direct sunlight. Now, water. This is where uh, it's very interesting because it was a great idea to water it liberally, liberally from spring to autumn all the way through fall. But then um, you can, in between waterings, let, let it dry out, just like with most of these. That's why it's so easy. In our case, with our pitiful pothos, I think that's a good name for it, our pitiful pothos, we would forget to water it for extended periods of time. It almost looked like it was dying and we would salvage it and, and water it and it sprang back to life. Now, the humidity, you can, if you want to, uh, miss them frequently. We never missed it ours, folks, and guess what? She's growing beautifully now. Uh, but it doesn't mind higher humidity. If you happen to have a space that's hum- more humid, it will do just fine. Now, the repotting, it may be necessary. Ours never has been because it's uh, kind of fluctuated in health over the years. But if yours becomes too root-bound, then it would be a great opportunity to repot it, to put it. It's so easy. Just get your uh, favorite compost or or favorite uh, potting mix, whatever, because it's not picky. It's not going to be particular. Uh, Mine is growing in some very old, old soil, and it's still hanging on. Then lastly, of course, when we get back from this break, we're going to talk about propagation. It's so easy to grow this plant, uh, pothos, but it's also easy to propagate it and share it with your friends. So when we get back, gang, we're going to talk all about my favorite and easiest houseplants for you to grow. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. If you have never thought about growing houseplants, uh, because you think it's too hard, well, you'd be wrong. I have my list of great plants that are super easy to grow today. We've already talked about a lot of them, and we've got a couple more here. So we got to jump right back into this uh, beautiful vine uh, that you can either let spill over a pod or in a hanging basket. You can even let it trail up some kind of trellis or something. Of course, it's pothos. 
Pothos, or some people call it golden pothos. The English, they call it devil's ivy. But it's nothing, there's nothing um, diabolic about it. It's beautiful and easy to grow. So with that in mind, we were talking uh, before the break about propagating. I promised you we'd talk about how to propagate because it's, it's really super easy. Um, you can take stem cuttings, which just leave uh Count a couple of leaves from the tip of a stem and make sure you cut it at a node. And of course, you've got a couple of nodes that you can easily dip in some kind of rooting hormone if you'd like, and then put it in a compost, but keep it kind of dry. Put it in some kind of potting media. Keep it dry and leave it in a dark room until it's rooted. Folks, this is one of the plants that you can put in your cupboard, put in your pantry, uh, force the roots to grow, and you will have a brand new plant for a friend, a loved one, or or for the other side of the room. Now, I'll say that what I did is we had that, you know, that really sad-looking pothos, which is hanging on and looking good now. But one of the reasons it looks good now is because it was on its way out, and I took some of these stem cuttings and just pressed that uh, uh, those stems down into the pot. They took root, and then we had a flush of growth from those new babies, and the pot was regenerated with some vibrant juvenile growth. That looks really good today. So be sure, if you're looking for not just an easy plant to grow, but an easy houseplant to propagate and make more of, you got to have some pothos. But as easy as it is, it doesn't mean that it comes without any problems. All plants will have problems from time to time, of course. We may have some brown leaves, some yellow leaves, some dropping of leaves, spots on leaves, etc., etc. And I will say that pothos can have this yellowing and falling of leaves and sometimes the rotting of stems. Now, this can be a major problem, but guess what the reason is? Overwatering. What's the number one killer of all houseplants? overwatering, uh, especially in winter when they don't need much at all. Uh, really, waterlogged soils are not a good thing. I will say that one of the problems we had with our pothos, and we found out later why, was the pot was inside of a pot. So we were keeping this really moist soil in that outer pot. We didn't know it was there, but the soil was super waterlogged and the roots were rotting. It was on its way out, dropping leaves, yellowing leaves. So be sure over winter you keep them kind of dry, actually. Now, what about brown and shriveled leaf tips? That means the air is too dry. You want to make sure you mist the leaves regularly if you have that situation. Uh, lastly, I would say that some of the issues I've seen, particularly with mine, is brown leaf edges and sort of brown spots on the surface of the leaves. That means underwatering, not watering enough during the growing season. You got to make sure that the uh, surface of the compost it should become dry between waterings, but the root ball, the root ball must not be a allowed to dry out. So there is a difference when we're talking about uh, watering regularly. We want to make sure that the outer edges of the root ball, the surface of it is dry, but of course the inner still needs to have some moisture. Folks, despite its problems, pothos or golden pothos is a beautiful plant. It's one that you should add to your indoor garden. Let it hang off of a wall. Let it hang, spill over the edge of a bookcase or hang in a pot, uh, hanging off in the corner of the room. It doesn't matter. It's going to love you regardless of how you treat it, which is unusual for a lot of creatures. <laughs> so check out pothos if you don't have it already.
Now, folks, this last plant that I want to squeeze in here in the last segment is called Diffenbachia. Diffenbachia, some people call it uh, dumb cane, uh, which I don't know why they call it that. I say it's so easy. That's why it's called that. It's so easy to grow. It's just dumb if you don't have have it in your indoor garden. And some some sources say that Diffenbachia is very hard, not easy to grow, but I have had success with it over and over. And I'm going to tell on my mother-in-law, which we talked about mother-in-law's tongue earlier, but my mother-in-law loves indoor plants but uh, and all kind of tropical plants but she's really not that uh, loving with them she lets them go most of them come to her house and, and it's basically their tomb because they're going to die but her Diffenbachia she doesn't touch it much she doesn't do much to it of course and it's still alive, and they're beautiful, and they've been around for a long time. Now, Diffenbachia has these big, broad leaves, kind of come to a point uh, over time as they grow, the lower leaves fall off, and they look like a, a false palm. They're not a palm, but they kind of look like one. Uh, they are in the grass family with the palms, but they aren't true palms. Now, with that in mind, let's talk about some secrets to success. These Diffenbachias with their beautiful variegation and foliage and all colors of shades of green and yellow. Uh, when you're growing them indoors, that average warmth they need over winter is going to be uh, 60 degrees. So a little bit higher, but still not a problem to grow indoors. You know, we're probably keeping our houses at least 60, so over winter they should be fine. Now the light. In the summertime, they need partial shade. They don't want bright light, but it changes when winter comes. When it's in the house over winter, you want to make sure that they have bright light. So summertime, partial shade, and in the winter, bright light. Now, watering. You can water them regularly from spring to autumn, but in winter, sparingly water them. The Diffenbachia I have, the dumb cane that I have, uh, corn plant, I think some people call them, but uh, anyhow, the um, one that I have is... On, on the dry side right now, uh, still we're in those winter months and I'm not overwatering. We don't want, as a matter of fact, overwatering for this plant can be detrimental. So be sure to keep that in mind. Now, the humidity. We've talked about humidity with all these plants. They don't mind extra humidity, so you can miss them. Uh, you can actually uh, wash the leaves off regularly, uh, that or occasionally. That just gets a little more moisture around the leaves, but it also cleans and shines the leaves, and it makes the plant look really good. So it's kind of a two-in-one benefit there. Now, what about repotting? Because we've talked about repotting these, and of course, you probably do want to uh, repot Diffenbachia. It's an active grower. Uh, it grows pretty quickly. You do want to uh, pot it maybe every year in the spring in particular, but you uh, could wait maybe every other year if your plant isn't quite as rooty uh, as it might as others might be. Now, propagation is probably a little harder, so that's one downfall to this guy, is you may not be able to propagate as many of your own, but there's several methods. You can remove and uh, pot up the top crown of leaves by using a rooting hormone, so trim them, basically cuttings, dip them in the uh, rooting hormone. You need to provide them with some bottom heat. You could put your pots that your cuttings are in on top of a heating pad, uh, which should be separated with a towel. So heating pad on the table, towel, and then place your uh, uh, pot on there. But bottom heat is very, very good to have. Now, 
that's probably the easiest way to propagate it, but um, I, I don't know if you'd even want to try. Uh, insects, they can get, there are a few problems. They can get scale and spider mite, um, but otherwise, just be sure to, uh, uh, to keep an eye on that. Sometimes they get some uh, stem rot, and that is encouraged, of course, by overwatering and low temperatures. Their uh, leaves may wilt and turn yellow. That's another problem with low winter temperatures. Maybe some drafts are coming in. Be sure to keep those plants at 60 degrees during the growing season. Folks, this uh, episode, I think, has been really fun because I haven't actually talked much about houseplants. But if you've missed any part of this episode or if you've missed the two previous episodes, part one and part two about houseplants and indoor gardening, check us out at NewSouthernGarden.com. Now get out there or stay indoors, I should stay, say, and stay well and grow well. We will see you next week. I'm getting lighter. It's getting thin Now I'm facing down with the Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show.